She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays Today podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick, and we got a business development episode today. This was a good one. This she's not she's not a chiropractor. Her name is Sam Varner, and um, she uh, so she came on to, to talk about profit. And I'm always just a little skeptical. Like just sus. I think that's what I'm, I'm sus um, for non chiros because I'm like, yeah, are you going to get what we're selling here? Like we're selling this impact and oh man, she had me pegged from the word go and really, you know, just got my brain thinking about stuff. Unfortunately, the like price thing comes up and it's just like, oh, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough thing being over in this cash family practice, like um, world, uh, this corner of chiropractic, because, you know, I've talked to a lot of experts over the last couple of years and, um, you know, the solution tends to come down to like, you know, pay and this and that and like charging $50. And it's like, but, but, but what about a family of four weekly? Like, I don't, I don't know. So anyways, we didn't solve it. I'm just giving you a heads up problem gets brought up, not solved. Uh, so that battle will continue that I know you all love and deal with as well. But current events. Okay. So I, I was at the Biltmore. We talked about this. Okay. So we said this a couple of weeks ago, last week, something like that. And I had multiple people say like, yeah, uh, BJ Palmer, wrote there and I'm like, how, how did this guy know Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt built belt? I don't know. Um, and so I threw it out on the stories or on stories, like what other weird stuff? Because so I'm a Northwestern grad and this is not, um, this is not a negative thing to Northwestern at all, but I don't think we talked about BJ. <laughs> like, of course we talked about him like Didi BJ. Great. Let's move on. But that was it. Like that was the extent of it. And I have never really gotten around to reading the green books. Oh God. I know. I know y'all are just like crawling in your skin. I'm sorry. I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm currently reading I'm really, really into fantasy fiction right now. Okay. Like it's, it's happening. It's happening. Don't even try and pull me away from it. I like started with the court of thorns and roses and we just, from there, just my whole world exploded. So the idea of picking up a philosophy book right now, is just not happening for me in this moment in time. But what was I talking about? Oh, so I threw it out on stories like, uh, hey, tell me, educate me more on BJ because this guy's wild. Um, so alligators, dead elephant skeleton, like wearing a cape, um, elixir for life potion. Um, there's some really wild stuff out there about this guy. And who knows how much of it is true? Like one of it, one person said that, um, he claimed that a chiropractic technique came to him in a message from aliens. And like, who knows? Who knows what's true or not? Um, but I think there is quite a bit of like, very, I don't think Palmer Davenport disputes that guy was a little eccentric. So then it just like opens up the can of worms of like, wow, he did so much more for chiropractic than I could have done. 
Like I am not an early adopter. Um, if my parent invented an elixir for life, literally a thing, I would be like, yeah, I'll run some Facebook ads for it and do some reels and we'll just see how it goes. So like, I would not have done a good job. Okay. This is not Lauren Brunswick judging, but it does make me wonder like, so on one hand, I bet you his personality. Oh, also, does it seem like there's, um, I don't know. I don't have a psychology degree, but like, it's not narcissism, but like, is it eccentric or is this like wild? Why? I don't, I don't know. I feel like there's probably some kind of a DSM five diagnosis there. Um, so without that personality, without that, like, uh, attention seeking behavior, I don't know, quirkiness, would he have gotten as much traction? Like, Probably not because he probably wouldn't have, you know, somebody said that um, he went on like a 13-month boat ride around the world spreading chiropractic. Now, I wouldn't have done that. I am too lazy. Um, so he probably wouldn't have had the drive to do that. But then again, if I was like his neighbor and had known him since he was a weird little nine-year-old or something and uh, he wanted to adjust my neck and showed me what the hole-in-one adjustment looks like, I'd have been like, nah, dude, I'll pass. No, no, sounds great. And I am happy for you. But me? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So I'm just, just bringing it up of like, interesting. Just very interesting. I, I feel like there are so many times, like I am 12 years into practice, 13 this year, and I have interviewed so many people now and gone to a lot of conferences. And there are still times that I just feel so green in this profession, not green book, but like brand new, like Lauren, how are you still like, how are you still learning about this? Like, do I just, I don't know. I don't know guys. It's, it's, this was a good talk. Good talk. Thanks. Okay. Um, so next we're going to do a shout out to our sponsor of the podcast, Sked, one of our great sponsors um, that is huge in implementing efficiency in our clinic. If you haven't listened to, uh, so Dr. Eric Kowalki and his wife, Shannon, were on. Go listen to that episode because the story of how Sked came to be is, I find, very interesting as an entrepreneur. Um, and it is such a tool. It is such a tool for your office. So if you are looking for increasing patient retention, patient communication, um, just sharing information with your patients. We have used it to send out um, events that we're doing. We've done it to ask for reviews. We've done it to um, share, what was the, oh, a podcast episode. Like we, and then of course, obviously our patients use it to reschedule themselves so they don't have to call the office. So it's, it's great. Go check it out. We'll have that link in our show notes. So let's talk about our guest. So Sam Varner has 14 plus years in PR and marketing, finance strategy, as well as business development and credits much of her business passion to watching her father in his construction business growing up. After living in three different countries and getting requalified to work over and over again, Sam decided to create her own business serving women business owners worldwide. 
She's made it her goal to help other women understand they have power to change their financial picture by building profit in their businesses. She hosts the She Needs Grit podcast, where business tips, growth strategies, and conversations with amazing business owners happen weekly. And so we go through her crush formula. I find it interesting. This is the first time I'm reading her bio. I didn't realize that she is focused on serving women. And I don't think that, believe me, um, I, I, when you listen today, I think men can benefit from this. This is just business advice. But then it like reminds me that when I first started the podcast that I started it for women. And I just wonder, you know, and I know of chiropractic coaches that serve women. And I, there's definitely, um, so like with financial literacy, I had Mal. Mal, the money coach on, I don't know, a couple months ago. And she's very focused on helping educate women on finances. And that one I get because like historically women really don't engage in the finance aspect and it can be just detrimental in divorce and death and all sorts of things. But I do wonder if like there's something where women, when we start a, a, a venture, where we're like, I am going to train someone on something. If we feel uncomfortable saying that it's for men too, like I'm wondering, and I am thinking out loud here. Um, so just bear with me because I feel like it's easier to say like, no, 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 I'm a woman. So I get women. So like it gives that credibility when in reality it's like, well, no, I mean, yeah, we talk about periods and stuff on here. Uh, but like, yeah, this isn't really a female focused podcast. And like when you hear Sam, hope get your pen and paper because it's, it's good. You're gonna like it and not because you have a vagina. Um, so maybe we'll see, we'll see. Maybe Sam will open up and start helping boys one day too. I mean, it did take me 203 episodes before I got there. So we'll give her time. Um, so before we go into a prayer, I'm actually going to just shift this, this past week, I got some, some terrible news, um, that a friend of mine that I haven't spoken to in years, uh, but I knew back from my epic coaching days, um, Sheena Najeli, I actually don't even know if I'm pronouncing her name right, Najeli, I think it's Najeli, um, that she passed away five days after giving birth to her, their second child. And I just want to give a moment of remembrance to her and, um, just a minute for those that, that knew Sheena, um, to know that she was really incredible and she deserves to be called out for her service that she has done on this earth or did on this earth. And, um, there is a GoFundMe that, uh, we'll have in the show notes below, um, for her family, because obviously her husband, um, is, you know, that that's the situation, uh, raising a four-year-old and a five-day-old baby and mourning the death of his wife, who was five days ago, uh, give birth and happy and vibrant. And so, um, so I just, I just want to say thank you to, uh, Sheena. She was a really incredible human and anybody who knew her 
knew that she had such a big heart for chiropractic and being a mom and just being a servant on this earth. She really, she really got some of those Jesus aspects, um, real nailed down, real nailed down. So, uh, we are thinking of her family and sending so much love their way. And if you can help their family in any way, please do. So, um, I guess we'll kind of move that into the prayer. Dear God, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And I don't like not knowing. And it sucks when these things happen. And um, us Kairos would love to be able to point a finger at something else and um, a decision that, you know, when somebody unexpectedly dies and go, well, they probably did X, Y, V. Um, and it was like, but then when you can't point the finger at that, then all of a sudden we feel unprotected and we're like, it's that reality that um, could happen and we can live great, healthy lives and shit can still happen. And that is messed up. And I wish I had more control. And I think everybody wishes they had more control that we could protect our families from that hurting. Um, and so since you're not giving it out, that control, um, let this just be a remembrance to love the people we are with, be thankful for the problems that we have and for us to just continue softening our hearts to you and to others around us and just serve, serve, serve. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, here is my conversation with Sam Varner. You're gonna love it. Enjoy. So Sam, do you know what your Enneagram is? Do you know what the Enneagram is? I know what the Enneagram is. I don't know what my Enneagram is. It's been so long. All right, well. I'd literally I'm... be making it up. I would be like- Oh yeah, don't make it up. I, I would. This, and I'm like, mm. it's been literally like since probably 20. I bet you it was 2018 that I last did it. So like a long time ago and I don't okay. remember. Okay. All right. Well, maybe by the end of the episode, I'll have figured it out for you. Yeah. You can <laughs> tell me, you tell me where you think like Weird obsessive things that I'm always like in the background. Like I, with my guests, I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what there's. <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm going to assume that most of my audience does not know you. So yeah. tell me tell me your background and like, you're not a chiropractor, you know, you have to be really special to get invited on here, not as a chiropractor. So oh, thank you. So you're kind of a big deal already. So I would love thank to you. hear more just about who you are, what you do. Yeah. So, I mean, technically I'm a profit coach, which is kind of a self-proclaimed title to be oh, really nice. honest. Yeah. So my background is public relations, marketing, and then finance. And I spent a long time working at agency, then tripped into the finance industry and was doing personal financial planning, business financial planning, estate planning, that kind of stuff. So, and at that point, my last job that was like a job, career job, I was working for the Canadian Medical Association. So my clients were all doctors that that was part of what their services, what their membership in the association got them was access to the financial side of things. So people helping with practice management, helping with just their own personal finances. And then of course their business finances, because most of them are, are incorporated in some way, if nothing more than for tax purposes, right in Canada. And the same holds true here. And my whole 
thing is then we moved from Canada to Australia. Oh my God. Yeah. From my husband's job. Then we moved from Australia. Once I was nice and qualified to do my job again, uh, we moved to Texas. So, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Canada and Texas. Those are quite, they're quite different politically. Yes. They're radically different politically among other things, weather being one of them, right? Texas versus Alberta is a whole new, new thing. And when I got here, I started a business doing personal money coaching. So I didn't want to requalify in another country only to end up living in Norway or something. Mm-hmm. So started my business doing personal money with people and everybody that showed up was a business owner. And it's like, oh, well, I can teach you how to make more money in your business rather than teach you how to like restrict what you're spending in your personal life. That's a hell of a lot more fun anyway. So mm-hmm. Let's just learn how to develop those business skills and build out the business side of things, make more money, and it kind of alleviates a lot of the financial burden that people were having in their personal side. So that's how I started. And I, instead of calling myself a business coach, I really wanted to differentiate myself and have it be profit focused because I think a lot of business coaches just talk about revenue and it's like your revenue can look amazing and you still only make $3 an hour. So switching it from that and really focusing on the profit is what I've been doing for uh, it's coming up on like five years now. Okay. So what are some of like, so from a chiropractic standpoint, I know you said like, you're not a hundred percent confident with like how chiropractors work. Um, but like one of the things that we see within chiropractic is it takes manpower to grow a practice, a lot of traditional practices, like, you know, it's like any other doctor situation where it's like, well, the doctor can only literally see so many people in a week. And so if you want to grow, you have to add on another doctor. Mm -hmm. But then along comes that needs like, well, now we need space for another doctor. So now we need a bigger, bigger building. And now you also have two doctors and twice as many patients coming in. And Mm -hmm. so now we need one or two extra support staff to like, handle the patient experience. And so one of the things that my husband and I will look back on is go like, so I was about three years into practice. Okay. And I had two just like real basic front desk people, 800 square feet. And I was seeing like 300 people a week by myself. And it was amazing profitability wise. I was exhausted. Um, I was going to say, I'm like, it was probably amazing for the money, but also the money near death. So there's money I had, you know, um, I, during those three years, I also gave birth to two kids that nobody was there, you know, like I was just 39 weeks pregnant and adjusting. And now we've grown and we've got two doctors and five support staff and three clinics and, you know, two commercial buildings that we own. And our profitability is, I mean, I don't know what it is exactly, but it's not as good as I want it to be. So Mm -hmm. how do you coach a business that requires doctorate degrees? Like, you know, I can't, you're not in the thing of like, oh, we'll just hire another person at $18 an hour. Um, You know, it's like, so how do you coach like that type of business to grow without profitability tanking. Well, it's interesting you said that the way you said it, because profitability inevitably will tank 
when you have those additional expenses, right? So in particular, more space is always going to cause a problem when it comes to your profit numbers. And there's no way around that short of, you know, fairy godmother dropping you a building. Right. Being like, here you go. You can use this for free. No charge. Totally fine. So short of that, in that interim, there is always going to be that drop in profitability. The same with hiring, depending on how you have it structured. So if you, it's, it's kind of the balance of like, when you hire the people, how quickly you can get them to their full capacity and how expensive your, let's call it your overhead. So we're going to consider overhead being both the cost of the space that they now require, as well as also cost of the support staff for that person, right? So now we've got, however, that structure is on the back end, whether it's flipping the room for the next patient, who's doing that, how efficient all those little tweaks are, and who's being used for that, right? Are you using your $1,000 an hour person, your $100 an hour person, or your $10 an hour person? And making sure that those efficiencies are really good will allow your profit to creep back up. But I always coach people that you have to hire before you're in like absolute desperation mode because that's when we hire poorly, right? That's when we hire out of like your breathing and you seem competent enough. That's probably good enough, right? Come on in. I'm going to let you, you will do. I'm dying over yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, never, ever made that mistake before. No, none of us have ever done that. Right. Where it's like, I have more clients that are either in the position. I, and it's funny because I get clients that are in two positions. They're either in the like not yet ready to expand, right? So they're still very solopreneur place or like solo with very minor help. And they're fighting themselves on the expense of bringing people on feels daunting. And how would they ever recoup those costs? Like how would that not just forever put them in a negative position? So there's those people, right? And you would have been those people back in the day when you were like, I'm doing everything myself. And I, to get that other person to help me is beyond the realm of comprehension before you've done it. Then you get to the point where you're like, okay, no, wait, I've had this person for a little while and it hasn't been a complete gong show. It has worked out. We have been able to fill that calendar. And this is where business owners get stuck. If they're not really, really good about filling that calendar of that person, that profitability is stagnant and you can't get around it. And it becomes a sales problem more than it is any Mm -hmm. other problem, right? And it's determining whether the role of your original person, so your business owner, is their job continuing to see a full caseload of patients, and then your new person seeing a full caseload of patients, but nobody's actually filling the books. So you're assuming that you you had like a waiting list of a full caseload at that point, right? And that's usually not the case. Usually people aren't able to completely replicate their own schedule onto somebody else immediately. It takes okay, we need to, we need to let people know we have space. We need to let people know that we have a new person in town. We want to let people know that they now have a choice as to who they go to. We want to just fill that calendar up and people, people struggle with that often. Mm -hmm. And so your profitability kind of stays, kind of goes down and then maybe levels out, but doesn't actually grow. Right. But at that point, that's when it's like, okay, now what backend systems can we automate? How can we tweak the back end of this business to be less expensive from a manpower perspective? Yeah. 
and more just efficient, 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 which allows you to do your job, allows your other chiropractors to do their job, but doesn't require a very expensive overhead from a human capital standpoint. Because you also need somewhere to put these people. That's the other problem. Yeah. It's like then your admin staff is like taking up space and you're like, you're not generating the same dollar amount every hour. Like I can't flip you through a room. Therefore, we're not generating money for all of that admin space too. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was reading about you, I was reading something about the crush formula. Mm -hmm. That kind of what you were just talking about. Can you, what is that? Yeah, so it was... Basically, I came up with the crush formula as the five pillars that a business owner needs to generate profit. And kind of the way I structured it is that you can go through that crush formula at any point in your business and really come back again and come back again as your business grows and be like, wait, where are we with all of these pieces? So in the crush formula, we start with the core of your business. So mission, vision, values. At the beginning, that is the driving force of the solo entrepreneur. Why are they even doing what they're doing beyond just, hey, I need a paycheck, right? There better be something bigger than that because buying yourself a job is a terrible way to go. And why is that such an important foundation when it comes to profitability? Because it's the thing that gets you through the really hard times. Right. So it, I think that's where grit falls into, like, is you have to have your core so strong so that on the days where you're like, this isn't working or the lease fell through, or now the rent is being raised or my business is shut down because of COVID Mm -hmm. or whatever the thing is that we're going to deal with. There is a bigger kind of like there's a bigger reason behind what we're doing and the stronger and the more in touch with that core of your business you can be, the better. And it also allows as you expand to get bigger that you can actually you can actually teach your people to do it your way. And your way isn't necessarily like a strategic manipulation that you like to use. It's actually more, who am I? What do I value? What do I want my patients to feel like when they come in here? What is my driving force in my life? And how can I have other people on my staff that have that same insight, same ability and same kind of lifestyle goals, right? Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So core is critical, right? You have to start with the core. Then what we get into is the revenue side of things. So again, to stick with the acronym really, but revenue for the crush formula is all of the money. So being able to forecast what you're expecting to be able to really look at What are we charging? What is our turnaround time? How many minutes is it taking us to get from here to here to here? How how much better are we at getting people rebooked immediately or creating them a plan of, I don't know what we would call, what would you call it when it's like, you need to come and see me, but you need to actually see me like- Yeah, like a care plan. Yep. Yeah, it's your care plan. So looking at your care plan And having people buy into and be sold the idea of a care plan, as opposed to like, this is a one and done. You can just come in on a Tuesday. I fix you and you're good to go. Right. Right. Yeah. But learning how to do that piece and then being able to run the calculations and say like, if we have X number of patients on care plans gives us a forecasting of revenue moving forward. So we can make decisions about when's the threshold of hiring that new person, or when do we start looking for that new person? Well, we get to this number. So it's kind of like your analytics 
from social media, but your analytics on the business numbers side. Okay. And most business owners, right? And I was going to say, that sounds really like most people probably fail there, right? They're like, yep. I totally have my mission. Oh, uh, what? I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, let's talk math. And they're like, what? Like, that's essentially what happens, right? And most business owners get very, they get so in their head about an inability to do the numbers, the math. And a huge portion of my business owners are women. Well, we have that even threefold, right? Where we grew up in an atmosphere where the math side of things wasn't the encouraged side of things. Wasn't, if you were really good at math, that was great, but it wasn't necessarily even the like high five activity that you were doing, even if that was your strongest suit in your schooling, right? So part of it is we have a lot of shame around the fact that we think we should know what we're doing as business owners. We think we should know what our business numbers are. And in fact, we just avoid it like the plague a lot. And people will come to me and say like, I have no idea. I'm like, what's your goal? No idea. Okay. How much are you making every month? Not really sure. I could look at the bank account. Okay. Do you know what your profit is? No. What percentage are you paying on? Like all these numbers. And it's, they're not hard to calculate. None of it. It's very much like fifth grade math, right? It's like adding and subtracting and some multiplying. It's right. We can all do the math in terms of like, if I gave you an equation, you can do it. But it is this feeling of like, I'm just an imposter. How do I even run a business if I don't know these things? Mm-hmm. And, and then so it- instead of moving past that discomfort of like, I should, instead of moving past the shame, yeah. we just avoid the f- doing the thing that makes us temporarily feel shame. And so yep. then we're done. Yeah. Instead of like, okay, fine. You feel shame. Let's label it. Can yeah. we move on now to solving it so you can actually feel empowered? Yeah. Uh, and it's such a short thing. Those numbers, though. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't it hard to find those numbers though? Like, well, yes and no. It depends on how the back end has been managed in your business, right? So if you're relying very heavily on, let's say, an accountant to take your bookkeeping, streamline that into your profit and loss statement, your cash flow statement, and your year-end taxes. What I find is that so often nobody is comfortable asking the questions because of the shame piece that they're dragging around behind them. They're never asking their accountant, like, what does this mean? Right. How do I read this? They're just like, thanks for that statement. And it goes into that email pit, right? Where you're like accounting and, and that's it. And we don't look at it. And so that's part of it is it's, it's not hard to find the numbers. We can go through the same as if I said to you, let's go through your personal money Okay, how much money do you spend every month? You can find that out pretty quickly, right? You're like, all right, I will pull up the credit card statements. I will pull up the bank statements. Okay, I seem to take some cash out of the bank machine. No idea what the hell I spend that on, but that's okay. Like, I at least know it's spent. It's gone. It's no longer in my wallet. The children have stolen it for Fun Food Friday or whatever has happened. And say la vie. But the same is with our business, right? You can run the reports on your whatever system you're using, no matter how basic or advanced the system is on how much sales are processing through every month and what is your bills every month that you're paying. And at the very least, there's there's just the income and the expenses. And we can start with those numbers, right? And it takes a bit of time. You might have to wade through credit card statements and loan state other things in business, but- you can find it. 
Hey, she slayers. When I first started practice, I thought I needed to dress a certain way for patients to trust me, and I spent hours trying to design communication and marketing materials that worked. After 12 years of practice, here's a couple things I've learned. One, I don't have to wear dress pants and button-ups for a patient to take me seriously. And two, why recreate the wheel when a design professional has already done all the work for me? Well-Aligned offers solutions in both of these categories. They have the coolest and most comfy chiropractic shirts that will showcase your personality, as well as beautifully designed communication and marketing tools to help drive new patients, get more referrals, and gain better retention in your practice. From the best chiropractic apparel to modern patient education materials, Well-Aligned has you covered. All She Slayers get 10% off plus free shipping on orders of $75 or more with promo code SHESLAYS. Visit www.wellaligned.com to save. Hey, She Slayers. I just wanted to take a moment to ask you, have you heard of PX? I don't know. Have I mentioned them before? <laughs> so they're practically everywhere these days. And I am so excited to have them as a sponsor on our show because they are on a mission that I can seriously get behind. So Dr. Tony and his team have designed a pediatric, prenatal, and family chiropractic training program that has online and live event training opportunities to learn step-by-step -step the science, clinical protocols, and business systems behind building a thriving pediatric and family chiropractic practice. Now, here's what's extra cool. It doesn't matter if you're a student, startup, or practicing chiropractor. I mean, I am a member and I've been in practice for over 12 years now. Each and every bit of their training is applicable to you and where you're at. I've been a part of PX for a while now, and I can say that there's no one better in the space to lead you and to lead this profession than Dr. Tony and his team. If you want to take your practice to the next level in serving more kiddos and families in your community, then you must check out PX. I will drop a link in the show notes so you can head over to thepediatricexperience.com and let them know She Slays the Podcast sent you there for a special little bonus. Hi, friends. I wanted to take a quick break from the episode to make sure you all know about the cool stuff we have happening over on Patreon. This is a platform where I can offer you extra content, behind the scenes interviews, quick trainings, and exclusive trainings answering your exact question live, back to back with me. It's a way for me to more directly interact with you and post some fun things that would never be in the normal weekly episodes. To check out what we're doing and to sign up, click the link in the show notes. Like to take a moment to thank one of our primary sponsors of the podcast, Insight CLA. The Insight tech moves the message off the spine and into the nervous system where the magic of the adjustments can be measured and tracked. Everyone from newborns to seniors are being scanned in my practice and in thousands of other practices like ours so they can be examined and inspired to choose chiropractic care. It's like an instant referral machine because the scans are so visible and informative. Like what patient wouldn't want to know how their nervous system is performing? The staff at CLA are ready to take care of you and answer any questions you may have. They also have an incredible online academy that can help train everyone in the office and help them to feel confident on how to get perfect scans and how to interpret the results. 
We have been using the Insight technology in our clinics for over seven years now, and it is a complete game changer for conversion, retention, and patient education. Click the link below in the show notes as She Slays listeners get preferred pricing and hundreds of dollars off their purchase. And the incentive behind knowing these numbers, so like besides feeling empowered, yeah. what is the benefit of a business owner knowing this? Because like yeah. I'm picturing like if I'm like, well, no, I know I want to make more money. So like, I know how many people I see. I just need to see, I just need your help on seeing more people. How can I get more people in? So like, why is this a necessary step of understanding yeah. this number? Because what I'm first going to say to you is you can probably make more money without changing anything if you know what your numbers are, right? So without having to find more clients or find more space, right? Find more space, find more time. But I'm willing to bet that right now you're overspending in some areas on expenses that are unnecessary. Things that have fallen through the cracks, cracks, subscriptions that you had that you don't use anymore. Tools that we are paying for that we don't use. All of that sort of thing there. Then we're looking at like, what are you actually generating per client? What are your prices sitting at? How is that determined? When's the last time you made a price increase? And most chiropractors, and I would say most business owners are like, I, I don't want to raise my prices. I'll lose right. clients. And I'm like, but what if that's not true? What if you could raise your prices and you wouldn't lose clients? Even if it was a nominal amount, but you have then a fee schedule that you're like, yes, this is how we operate every six months, every 18 months, whatever number how much does that increase in terms of you just making more revenue on the bottom line with the exact same number of patients you have and mm -hmm. space and all mm -hmm. of those things? And it's hard with chiropractic because it is such a, like, I feel like it is, it's different when like, let's see, what profession would I be? Let's say I was selling socks. Okay. And you know, you were like, all right, well, you buy the socks for $5, you sell them for $10. How about you sell them for $12? There's yeah. no like, guilt about but what if somebody can't afford the socks or maybe there there's still guilt yeah. but like when it comes to chiropractic I feel like you've got two categories um mm -hmm. you've got people who are like very good at the numbers and yeah. they're like I would rather see a hundred people a week at fifty dollars in adjustment than um, I don't know, then 200 people a week at $25 in adjustment. Does that math? Right? I think that yep, that works. Works. I'm like, ah, I'm just about to do math on air. Um, <laughs> you're like, hold up. Fact check me. Hold yeah. on. <laughs> right. You know, there are a group of people who are like, no, 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 it's okay. If I raise my prices and I lose patients, yeah. I will, you know, I can lose this many patients a week and still be more making more money. Yep. But because chiropractic is so like, there's such a strong philosophy base in like, you know, allowing innate, like just restoring innate intelligence in people and like helping change their life for the better. Yeah. So then you've got people who are just like stuck with like, but those people can't afford it anymore. I need to see, I can't raise my prices because then like, I'll see less people and I'll right. have less impact. But what if that's just a story for one? What if the idea that your impact can be bigger if you make more money? So let's go down that path for a second. So let's just say 
you double it. So your, your rate is 25. Now you're going to charge 50, for example. That allows you to donate some of your time to people who really couldn't even afford the 25, right? People who never get access to your services. Now you have the capacity as a business to give back in some way. What if the people that you're afraid are going to leave because that is too expensive? It's actually a value proposition problem where your deep-seated belief in the value of chiropractic care and the impact that has on people's lives, you're just not sharing that in a way that people are then buying into how important it is in their lives. People spend money on whatever they feel is high value. Mm -hmm. You know that people are spending money on like, I don't know, takeout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's say it's takeout, right? They're they're like, yeah, once a week I go through a drive-through somewhere because I can't get my shit together to make dinner for the kids. Right. We've all been there. Yep. So what if your value proposition is more about educating your client on how much more capacity they have overall, right? Their pain is lessened, their functionality in their life is better, their ability to go to the grocery store, get the groceries, have something, even if it's like, I don't know, package lunchable for the kids on the way to soccer instead of the drive-through. And they have to sacrifice that once to be able to continue with their chiropractic care at the new rate. Mm -hmm. And that's like really hard right now with all, I mean, we're definitely seeing it of like, you know, so um, our clinic does a lot of like family wellness. And so a family of four Mm -hmm. to get care in our clinic. And it's, this is at like uh, air quotes, embarrassingly low price within chiropractic is still like $300 a month. Yeah. So like when you're looking at inflation and all of the stuff that people are freaking out about right now, yeah. when a husband and wife or whatever, a partner sits down and looks at their monthly budget and goes, something's got to go. Yeah, that dangly $300 thing is really easy to cut, but it kind of feels like a lot of us were doing the more cheaper price are going kind of easy, hard versus hard, easy, like easy, hard is like, I will just make my prices as low as possible. So I don't have to deal with rejection. Uh, Don't have to have the hard conversation, right? Don't have to dig in on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then it's hard later when even though I made my prices as low as I could possibly go where my profitability sucks, oh, and some people still quit. Like, and you're like- And that's it. And that's that's gonna happen anyway, right? I think the thing is, is there is no preventing ups and downs of the overall economic world impacting any business owner, right? Whether it's you, whether it's me, it doesn't matter. So it's about being like how- my value and my belief in my value doesn't change regardless of what the economic climate is doing and working on the mindset of there are enough people out there in my town, in my area, in the quadrant of the city I live in, there are more than enough people that are capable of of affording me at the rate that also keeps my own kids clothed and fed and happy because it's not a not-for-profit. And Chiropractors are like a lot of different industries that are like people, like health focused, right? So there's a lot of industries where we get caught up in the like, but I want to help as many people as possible. I want to help people that 
I'm doing a disservice. It becomes a money mindset problem where it's, I'm doing a disservice by charging money for the thing that I do because people really need it. Oh, you just hit it on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, how do you overcome that? You start to realize that, that you are capable of helping people if they're willing to help themselves and to help themselves, they have to pay for it, right? There is a difference between being the not-for-profit chiropractor that operates out of, I don't know, the back alley behind Home Depot, right. like sets themselves up and is like, I will help anybody who's wandering through here today. And there's the difference between you're a business owner. So it's embracing that, that true belief of like, I am in a for-profit business that is meant to create a broader, more exciting life for myself. And part of that can be, how do I give back, right? Massive wealth, if that's the goal, and that's really hard for people to be like, I want massive wealth. Everybody's like, like that makes me feel like whatever you think about money comes up there. But what does that allow you to do? If you had as much money as Oprah, who could you help? What could you do? How could you impact in whatever desired way you would want to do it, whether it's in chiropractic or other things that are just close to your heart that you want to participate in, that you can't do it if you're running so ragged in your business that you have no time right. either. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was the R. That's the R. So we do all of, and and a little bit of the mindset, like that's a little bit of the headspace at the end of the crush formula. Cause as you see, it starts to like weave its way into all of the pieces. So next you get utility. So this is where I talk primarily about automation and delegation. So figuring out when you need new people, what those people need to look like, how they need to operate in your business setting yourself up to be the best leader possible. Because in addition to entrepreneurs not being great with managing the money piece, they're also not necessarily used to being in an HR type role where they have to manage all of the personalities in their office. They have to manage how much this person gets paid. And now I'm worried about scheduling. And now I'm right. All of those pieces comes back to how much of it can be automated, how much of it has to be like if we were in a factory making a product and it went from here to here to here to here on the conveyor belt. If you think of your patient in that way, that they're a product on a conveyor belt from when they first hear about you to when they get in the door, to the way that they're greeted, all the way through to they're taken to the room, they're given instructions in the room, they're supported by the doctor, they actually go through their chiropractic appointment, they are then left in the room, taken out of the room, and how they exit the building. If you think about each one of those pieces, most of us don't take the time to figure out exactly what we want that to look like, and then who are the people that have to do those pieces along the way. Mm -hmm. And the better you can get at that, the more profitable you are. Okay. (laughs) You're like, ow, my brain, we're only at you. So it seems like So, because I'm just curious, like, you know, you are not familiar with chiropractic, but you're like really nailing a lot of the issues. Um, So it kind of makes me feel like a lot of small businesses are the same. How are you coaching such a diverse amount of small businesses? Like, are just a lot of the principles the same? I think they are the same, right? There's differences in terms of like, 
what your technical skills are, right? Like what you deliver to your clients, who no matter what business you are, that's different. And that I don't ever get involved in, right? Like, I'm not going to tell you how to adjust somebody. I'm not going to tell you the care plan that they need. I'm like, I mean, good luck. I hope you're very good at that part. I assume you are. But the the remnants of like how to build a profitable business are not different. And I think we get in our heads as entrepreneurs in certain industries and think like, well, I can't do it like that. That doesn't make any sense. That's the accountant that's in our group and they're doing it like that. And it's like, it's not different. And chances are, if you look at the way your accountant runs or the way that your dentist runs or the way that your roofing company in your town runs, there are things you could pull from that that would set you apart in your industry, but essentially all the pieces are still the same. They still need to understand the way that they use their human capital in their business, the way that they actually delegate and automate different tasks, the way that their money runs, all of that is the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just different different groups have different emphasis. So sometimes in in being like a chiropractor, we run into that. I don't want to make money from my business. I want to just help people. That reluctance to be number and profit focused more so than in some other industries, but then they really struggle with like, why would I need to work so hard on the leadership piece of things? They just need to do a job. So it just depends on where the problem lays, but everybody has the same five problem pillars. Have you, um, have you encountered someone that you were coaching that you were just like, I just don't think you like, why did you go into business? I don't think you should do this. Yes. Not very frequently, but I have definitely had those circumstances where often it's a person that will come in and just, it's the same circling the drain with the same problem, whatever it is, over and over and over again. Most successful entrepreneurs will be like, okay, I don't like you pointing that out. I might be a bit reluctant. I will probably come back and deal with this and it might take a little while, but it's like, they're always taking action, right? I think entrepreneurs by nature are always seeking a better way. They just might not like the messaging to begin with. And it takes a little while, but I have had a couple of people, one in particular more recently where they just, they don't want to do the work. They don't want to take the action. They are like stagnant. And they're like, I just, this is not It took me a long time, but I was able to finally be like, is this for you? Do you want to do this thing? Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, maybe I don't. Well, so chiropractic school is really interesting. I think it's kind of changing. I mean, I graduated 10 years ago. Yeah. um, And when I talk to students now, it feels like it's changing, but ultimately it's still kind of the same thing that like most people are not entrepreneurs. Like Right. They're, they're the chiropractor first. Business yes. They chose chiropractic, not because they love entrepreneurship, right? But chiropractic school does this real, or just the chiropractic profession in general does a really good job of making you feel like a complete loser. If you are working for somebody else, you know, like I was um, okay. talking to a friend and she was saying like, it's so messed up. Because like you would never talk to a doc, like a medical doctor, and they would be like, oh, I'm just a surgeon. Like, I'm just just a hospitalist. I I just work for the hospital. I don't actually own the hospital. But within chiropractic, it's like, oh, you're just an associate doctor. And so I rumor is when I talk to like 
chiropractors who coach a lot um, yeah. and are really in this realm is that there's only like 20% of chiropractors who are cut out to be running a business. But the percentage that go into eventually owning their own within a few years is like way over 80%. And so I'm just kind of like trying to figure out like, you know, what are some of those cues that like, hey, maybe you did find yourself in a business and you're, um, you know, maybe it's time to reevaluate like exit stage, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it can be two things. I think one, it is skills that you can develop, right? So it, it is, if you find somebody that can coach you, that can help you, that can like walk you through and then holding you accountable to that, despite the fact you've got a massive patient load and you've got to work with people day in, day out. And so then you have to really take time, carve that out for yourself so you can bird's eye view the rest of what you're trying to do. Um, I think you can still learn to do it. I think it's it's not like an innate skill that we have, like curling our tongue, right? You can you can figure out how to be a business owner if you want to. But I, I do think there is a good point there where it's like there is maybe it is having that conversation more broadly to be like, there is nothing wrong with, and you can still make good income, not owning a chiropractic practice yourself, but actually billing as part of a joint venture. And that comes back to our chiropractic businesses set up to support the doctors that don't want to. Yes, I was going to say, you're really good at this, by the way, like for somebody who does not know much, I was like, oh, well, we just came full circle back to like, well, a lot of chiropractors can't afford to pay an associate doctor what they want to pay them because their profitability sucks. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's a little bit of like chicken egg problem, right? Where it's like, what is the problem? Is the problem that chiropractic school doesn't teach you how to have a business? Probably. Is it that once you get into the industry, you're forced kind of subliminally, but still forced into being your practice owner. And then you have no training on how to be a practice owner. So good luck with that. Like just jump in the pool and hopefully you won't die. But then the only way it seems to make enough money to even feed yourself is to see so many patients, you have no time to do business. Oops, this is a terrible plan. Like, Damn, this, I hate you. <laughs> you know, it's like, shit, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so that's why people like me are employable because I can, you know, there's one thing where if your industry is not training people to run the business and you guys aren't alone, like this is, I see this with lawyers. I see this with private practice doctors. I see this with dentists, dentists and, and, um, orthodontists get a little bit more in their programs with running a business, but it's still very like cursory, like here's a little information. You might need this eventually. And then they're like, yeah, I needed a lot more than that. But okay. Yeah. And it's just that willingness to be like, okay, this is part of what I need to do to grow as a business owner. So if I own my own private practice and anything, I need some support. What does that look like for me? How do I learn best? What do I have capacity for? And then finding that, right? And be willing to ask the questions, whether it's leaning on your accountant, leaning on your bookkeeper to help you with the math piece of it and just walking you through that. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting better at sales, getting better at your marketing, leaning on a marketing agency that can help bring business in or doing it from kind of an organic standpoint, depending on where you are in your business and how you want to do it. But 
getting help. I think too many business owners in every industry just struggle along for a really long time before they're like, this, I'm, this is not better. I am really frustrated. And now I'm getting underwater and I can't, how do I fix this before I give up? Right. So, okay. So we were at you. We're at you. So the next part we go to is one of my favorites is kind of sales and promotion. So really figuring out like, oh, wait, my job is actually the salesperson of my company. Nobody wants that. No, everybody's like, I'm not the salesperson when I speak in a room and I'm like, okay, so your one number one job is what? And they're like, the business owner, whatever. And I'm like, nope, you're the salesperson. They're all like, oh, I don't want to be the sale. Like, again, that negative connotation, but it's, you are the passionate person behind what you're offering for patients. And you have to be the voice of that out in the community to pull people in, right? To engage, to network, to create opportunities for people to know who you are beyond just walking by your storefront. That's not going to probably cut it. Oh, that's good. So like, I love hearing sales um, advice from non-chiropractors because I'm so in the world of like, and so, okay. So is what you're saying is that as like an entrepreneur kind of like replaces themselves and they get their time back, what they really need to do is, is get out into the community and be networking. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. That's what I had to do when I first started. Now I don't need to do that anymore. And they're wrong. That's what you're saying. They're wrong. They're wrong because the more you can create a band of ambassadors that are out in the world, and this goes for any business. If you can create 30 people in your community that talk about you, even when you're not in the room, that discuss how great your business is, that are really talking about you in comparison to your competitors that are sending you, you know, you have somebody who's in physiotherapy and they're like, but physiotherapy goes hand in hand with the chiropractor. So how do we build a partnership there where we're cross-referring each other? How do we know where like this comes first, then this comes first, or you went there thinking that was the solution, but physical therapy isn't the solution right now. Chiropractic is the solution or deep tissue massage is the solution or whatever it is, or it's part of the care plan that's all integrated. All of those things are sales methodologies, right? Mm-hmm. And if you do that, so you've got, hopefully everybody that's listening, if you're not doing this right now, you need to be getting like patient reviews that are telling other consumer people how great you are, what great experience they've had, what results have been, et cetera, et cetera. But you need that from a bigger standpoint where somebody who has a patient base of a thousand patients is also talking about you to their patients because you both work in tandem. And making those relationships, that's easy. Because it's like, well, Tim said, I needed to just come see you. Well, you've already established, you barely have to do anything to convince Tim's patients and for your patients to be convinced that Tim is the next step too, right? And it's reciprocal. Um, So there's a lot of strategies in that way that you can do to build up your patient base, which allows you to fill up everybody's schedule and then expand or get rid of some of your schedule so that you have time to do more of that piece. Yeah. Can do you have any other strategies? Cause um, since we're in this and I just love talking about sales. So like what you said was uh, basically leveraging other professionals that you work yeah. in collaboration with. Um, yeah. And how do you, what's your best advice 
for so like for instance yeah a so our audience uh tends to be a lot of prenatal pediatric chiropractors and so our best our best people would be uh pediatricians midwives ob's midwives are easier because mm-hmm. they're a lot of self-employed but yep. like pediatricians and ob's are like we don't need you you need me and so like what's some of your best advice as like creating that relationship where maybe the other collaborating salesperson doesn't want like doesn't have time for you yeah doesn't have time okay so the first question I would say to you is like okay think outside the box on who those people have to be if you are banging your head against the wall to get the OB to get on board maybe that's not the right person, mm-hmm. right? And are they restricted in any ways kind of to be saying, hey, you should go to chiropractic, yeah. hey, you should go, to, right? Sure. So they're yeah. somewhat they're somewhat in a legal bind. So even if they personally believe in the strength of doing this as part of your prenatal planning, they might not be able to, right? Mm-hmm. They're bound by whatever the, the practice is that they're dealing with. So what if you went to um, ultrasound clinics, that are all privately owned, yeah, right? And they're, especially the ones that are doing like the 4D ultrasounds and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're getting their patients at the very beginning to confirm, right? If people are freaking out, they're having an early ultrasound. Then they're getting the 20 week ultrasound. So then people are starting to get really excited about where they're at. And if they're starting to kind of have physical problems as a result of giant babies leaning on their pelvis, um, that's when it's going to start to kind of manifest and you can probably get a bit of ahead of it. I would imagine if you're starting to do care then, and then you're getting the 40 ultrasounds, which is later in the pregnancy when the baby's getting really big and kind of squishy in there. And then you're ending up with the people who are like, Hey, my baby's breech. Let's take a look and see if they are still indeed breech. Cause we can't tell the bum from the head when we're doing that. Those people like prenatal photography, that would be another one where they own their business privately. They could recommend you mm-hmm. you know when somebody comes into those sessions and they're whining and complaining about like my hips hurt, my back hurts. I've got brutal indigestion, whatever their things are. If you have a great relationship with the best prenatal photographers in your area, you could have them say like, Hey, you know what? I know here's a couple of ideas. Women share like that. Right. And it happens all the time. Yeah, that's good. You're good. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So S was sales. Yep. So sales and promotion. So like figuring out and being creative and then not holding yourself into the box that is your industry. So looking at other industries for other ways that you could potentially create greater results. I think we do get stuck in that, like, well, everybody else is doing this, right? You're in that like Instagram bubble of all the people I follow on Instagram that are in my industry are doing a certain thing or they're offering a certain program or whatever it looks like, how could we be different? What would make us stand apart? And you don't have to reinvent the wheel, just steal it from somebody else's industry and be like, well, that person over there is doing, that's interesting. Okay, let's see if that would work. Is that appealing for my clients? And that kind of thing can happen quite quickly, right? You can stumble upon something that you're like, what do I love? What business has really appealed to me lately? in the world that has an idea that it's like, oh, yes, I could implement. How could we do that? How could we do a ladies night? How could we do, I don't know, like 
any sort of activities like that, where you're just getting people into the office to meet the staff, to engage in the environment, to understand, and then incentives to book their first appointments, right? Or okay. to bring a friend or whatever that might be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then is H head, head space? Head space. Yeah. Okay. So then it's all of the things that stop us from any of the things that we talked about being, making any of the things we talked about hard is just our brain. So our brain is telling us, nope, just keep doing it the way you're doing it. You don't have to think outside the box. You don't have to push yourself. That's scary. It might not work. You could fail. It would be abysmal. That's what our brain tells us at all times. So we're so used to following that instruction that we don't expand what we're capable of doing. And it's about doing it like with intent and strategy and a plan, not just throwing spaghetti at the wall either. Mm -hmm. So kind of working around that piece. And so coaching for me ends up, my clients always tease me. They're like, it's a little bit of therapy and it's a little bit of strategy yeah. and it's a little bit of math. And I'm like, yeah, it is all of those things because as business owners, we don't have a lot of outlets for all of those things necessarily. Right. right. So you kind of were talking about the, um, so you have a podcast that mm -hmm. it has grit in it. She um, needs grit. She needs grit. Yeah. So how, how does grit, because you, oh, you brought up like people's headspace saying mm -hmm. it, you don't have to do the hard work. Yeah. And this is something that's really interesting for me that I've seen just at, like with the podcast and being, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of like new grads and new students, well, not new students, but like new grads will reach out. And I feel like um, there is like, so the pendulum, right? Just swings, swings. And I feel like um, I'm seeing this like anti-hustle culture. Mm -hmm. Now I would put hustle and grit in the same boat. Would you? What's yes and no. Yeah. So I think grit is that internal motivation, that driver of like, I am going to do this until it works come hell or high water. You can't stop me. Right. That person that said to you, like, you're never going to be able to. And you're like, watch me. Yes, I can. That's grit. That's that deep seated internal belief thing. And hustle. I think there's good hustle and bad hustle. Right. I think hustle's gotten a bad rap because it it's started to mean I grind myself to death. I do it to the exclusion of anything that's actually important to me, right? Like I ignore my kids. I don't show up for any of their stuff at school. I am working all hours, all of that, right? You're not working. You're not hustling. Yeah, exactly. And that piece is obviously garbage. We cannot nobody wants to live a life like that. If somebody said in order to open your chiropractic practice, you are going to have to sacrifice 87% of the time with your family. You are never going to have enough money to ever go on holidays with your family, but you don't have time anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And you are going to be like crying in your office on a monthly basis because you're so frustrated and you can't seem to get things going, but you feel like you're not doing enough, even though you're working all of the time. Right. You'd be like, no, thank no, you. Thank you. <laughs> I think I'm going to work at McDonald's. That sounds great. I can right. definitely like wrap up a cheeseburger. That seems good. And I think that's the part that people get stuck behind. But there is a requirement for hard work in entrepreneurship. There is a requirement to 
not be thinking we're working when we're not actually accomplishing anything. So if anybody listening has ever had the experience of like, I don't know, scrolling on your phone for two hours when you didn't realize you were doing it and you were like, well, I don't have any more time today. I worked really hard. Really, all you were doing was scrolling on internet, on the internet. For me, it's Instagram. If I'm going to do that, it's always Instagram. It's, yeah, it's those things where we have to still do the hard work. We have to still hold ourselves accountable to the actions we set out. We have to create a plan so we know what the heck we're doing on Monday when we get to the office that isn't just putting out the fires as they come out and dealing with that stuff. That hustle is required and there's no alleviating it. So there is a place to get rid of the hustle that means you have no life. You you have to work 24-7 to be successful. The only way to make more money is to work a thousand more hours. That can go the wayside, like not interested in that. But there is the acknowledgement of, are you working on the things that move the needle in your business with as much intention as you know you need to? That's the hustle that still has to get done. Mm-hmm. I feel like part of the contributing factor and would love your opinion on this is like of why like hustle and grit has yeah. gotten a bad rap is we also are like in an interesting phase and we're women so we can talk about this without getting like yeah. completely persecuted we're kind of in an anti-masculine state yeah. um like and I you know, I think that men have masculine and feminine energy. Women have masculine and feminine energy. Yeah, masculine too. energy is not bad. Feminine energy is not bad. We're yeah. in an anti-man stage. Yeah. And so I feel like there's kind of a little bit of baby in the bathwater situation where it's like, that is alpha male energy. Yes. That is not healthy. And it's like, I don't know what to do with that because I need to be able to say, listen, sometimes it's going to suck and you got to put on your freaking boots, pull up your bootstraps and go. And if that is air quotes, toxic masculinity. Yeah. I don't know what to to do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think you can't have, you can't, you can't run a business without both. Mm Mm-hmm. You can't run a business that is completely oblivious to emotions and reality and feelings and just the softer skills, right? The um, emotional intelligence, all of those pieces that we're also seeing a lot of, you need that, right? And so sometimes we'll run into that plan of like, oops, I was such a hard ass and I'm just like driving my way through this place like an elephant. That's not also helpful, but you can't just sit back and woo-woo yourself an amazing business. There needs to be both. You need to be intentionality, I think, with business and intentionality with you as the business owner is the most important part. And if you don't have the support to help you through that and to be able to be like, hey, I'm going to pull the reins on this a little bit. I'm going to actually shove you forward with this part for a little bit. It's really hard to manage that on our own. But I agree. I think hustle... And grit has been fallen into that category of like, and therefore you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. But I do, I loved how you talked about hustle because it's like, you're right. When we say hustle so often, we mean like wake up and grind until you stop. And like, what's wrong with saying I'm going to hustle 
for three hours. And then I'm going to. Yeah. Hustle with intention, right? Like not just, this isn't like, I don't, you know, throw a phone book at you and be like, pick up the phone and make a thousand phone calls. And that's going to be the way that you drive your business. You could do that if you wanted to, if you could find a phone book, but (laughs) you, but it's, it's like, why am I doing these actions? Why am I working so hard towards this thing? Like I could come in and grind on, I don't know, I could spend eight hours, five days a week working on the backside of my website, just rewording it over and over and over again, changing the pictures out, doing whatever ridiculousness. That is a lot of work. It's going to feel exhausting. You're going to feel like I put in a 40 hour work weekend. Look what I have to show for it. So we have a beautiful website now. We had a beautiful website on Monday, but now it's even more beautiful. The problem is that doesn't move the needle because nobody, you haven't told one person about your website. You haven't directed them there. You haven't put it out in the world for anybody to find it. And that's where we sometimes do is like, we are, we are really hustling in an area that's actually us chickening out. And we just don't admit it very often that it's like, oh, wait, that's not me like going to a network meeting every single morning, every single lunchtime, every single dinner for two weeks, because I need to fill the calendar. Mm-hmm. Is that hustly? Yes. Will it generate results? Yes. Is it with the plan that you're trying to, that's your one goal for that week? Yes. Yeah. I see this with, I see this with newer grads. So like when I started, I didn't have social media. Like, well, I had Facebook, yeah. but like, you know, um, and I see this with new grads where like social media is an incredible tool. It is, fantastic, but it is not the only way. Right. And so it's like, if I'm hearing what you're saying of like, no, 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 no. Okay, fine. You want to make a reel once a day, like an educational reel once a day to like grow. Great. So, okay. You have an hour. And then what are you doing with the rest of the time? Because there's also diminishing return, right? Like just like, okay, you can hustle for eight hours a day, but at a certain point, your brain is stupid. It's not, not working. You're not delivering high quality anything, right? It's the same as you with actual patients. That first patient of the day gets the best of you. The patient that's like in the middle of the afternoon when you're like, I haven't even had a coffee, I'm kind of dead. Yes, are you still performing at your best? Yes, your best in that moment. But if they had booked the 9 a.m. appointment, they would have gotten the very best of you. They would have gotten a little better. Let's just would have gotten a little bit more. But I do think like, yeah, we we run into that. I run into that with clients all the time as if like social media in particular, we are told in business now that like you have to be on social media. You have to do a certain thing to create a certain business. That's also complete crap. It's what thing are you going to do to generate business and stay consistent at. And if that for you is being on social media and you're actually seeing traction. So not only are you just doing the actions, but you're, you are actually seeing results. We sometimes forget to look at those analytics and determine if it's working. Um, that piece is fine, but also meeting people, talking to people, making offers, going out in the world and letting people know who you are is also critical. And too often business owners are like, I shall hide behind this screen. Yep. And work. And I always say it like work, you know, in quotations. It's like sort of. You haven't talked to a person all week. Yeah. Oh, okay, Sam. So where can people find more of you, get more information from you? Like where can we find you? Probably the best place to come is onto the website. So that's uh, crushprofitcoaching.com. 
or on Instagram. And I just changed my handle. So I don't even know it. How great is that? <laughs> I'm like, that's it's Sam, the profit coach. That's okay. what I thought it was. So Sam, the profit coach on, on Instagram. But if people are listening to this and think like, I need help, or maybe I need help slide into my DMS and talk to me and ask some questions. I am happy to spitball ideas and stuff. This isn't going to be a pitch for me to sell you coaching. It is going to be me like giving you my best advice that I can give you with the information you provide. And I'm always willing and able to do that. So don't hesitate. And where is the name of the podcast again? And can you find she it? She needs grit. She needs grit. And is that Apple? Everywhere. Apple, yeah. Yeah, all the places. So all the places disseminated to the entire world. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think this was, um, I'm always hesitant to have guests that aren't like super familiar with chiropractic because it's like sometimes guests have like really put their foot in their mouth um with like <laughs> they don't you're like mm, we're gonna have to edit that out and i'm just no. like oh you just offended like 90 percent of my audience but that's okay it's totally that's fine we'll skip that part <laughs> we'll just edit that out but i think you nailed it it is it is refreshing and surprising to go like oh wow like these are universal problems because I think back to the shame, like chiropractors hold a lot of shame of like, well, we're bad at this. Everyone yeah. else is better. And like, we just suck at this. And it's like, no, oh. it's everybody universally. Everybody sucks until they learn how to do it. Right. It's the same as riding a bike. You sucked at the beginning and you can get better. Well, thank you so much for your time. She Slayers, we will have all of those links for you below. And until next week, bye. Bye.